I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost for Words betting podcast. I'm joined again by Bradley Todd. Brad, hello. Good evening, Tom. Good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back after you uh, gallivanting off to Copenhagen to see what is one of the most remarkable statues in the entire world. Um, yep, yep, that, that, that little mermaid, something. Yeah, it's just the, one of the most underwhelming things I've ever seen in my <laughs> travels. Um, Thankfully, the city's got a lot more going for it, though. You know, it makes up for it. I will say, Copenhagen is a lovely place, and I met a couple of people out there, and really friendly, really nice, um, and, yeah, really enjoyed my time there. But you don't need to go and see Little Mermaid because it's little um, and probably not worth it. But But everyone will tell you the same, that you will have to go see it, but, yeah, yeah, you don't. That's, that's that's the thing. Like, everyone's like, you've got to see it while you're there. It's, I don't think you do. Like, I honestly <laughs> don't think you do. Like, I think you could just... Really uh, I, I feel the same way about the Mona Lisa as well. Um, it's probably the, the mm. parallel I would draw. And everyone's like, you've got to see the Mona Lisa. Like, if you turn around in that room, that actually everything else in that room is more impressive. But, um, <laughs> look, there you go. I'm pretty easily impressed otherwise. Like, I'm, I'm very touristy, yeah. so... Um, yeah, like us. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just, it's just. I'm glad that you agree. At least we're on the same line of mm-hmm. thinking with it. Uh, I'd hate for you to come back and say, "Oh, imagine that little mermaid statue is amazing." I was just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, not a travel podcast, so we won't go too much into um, the mermaid in Copenhagen, but great place to be, uh, and glad to have mm-hmm. you back as well. One of the things I am glad about Brett um, is that we're back to single course events yes uh, at courses that we're familiar with i think is the real thing we've had mm-hmm. um bahrain we've had a couple of events in, in europe that have been a bit difficult we've had um multi-course rotation that starts the year in 24 and look i actually mm-hmm. like the events I, I don't mind the multi-course rotation but it does make things a lot harder um it does. yeah and, and it certainly makes it harder when it gets shortened to 54 holes and i thought that was actually avoidable brad like they knew about it um the fork mm-hmm. pretty clear on it all week. Yeah, it was there all week, yeah. yeah. I find it strange mm-hmm. they can't flex these things. Like, oh, can't we just start earlier on Thursday, finish mm-hmm. it from one of the days? Like, oh, yeah. It's just, it's weird. Because they already have the, the practice rounds and everything else in place already, I suppose. Coordinating with the Pro-Am um, people as well, you know, the celebrities and stuff. I think I think that's the so, problem. I think they need to give up on that. Like, if it's going to be, a, it's either got to be a signature event and that means that doesn't happen anymore. Or yeah, I completely agree. Get rid of that. Yeah. Um, so I, I love it for what it is. Like a, a hot take. I quite enjoy the program aspect. Um, the broadcast can be pretty annoying at times, but it's quite fun to see some of the athletes that you want to see. And uh, Bill Murray doesn't play anymore, so it's not you know, not so painful. Yeah, I, just, I think maybe you could take that elsewhere though. And yeah. like, if it's if Pebble is going to be a signature event, then you can just yeah, you just leave it for being just a normal. <laughs> Just weird time of year. I know they do it because obviously you've got Tory Pines and stuff like that, but like, and yeah, yeah the Amex. But it's a weird time of year to do Pebble. Um, it is. It certainly is. Yeah. I'm sure they've any famous. No, exactly that. Um, couple of withdrawals. Off of, I don't know if it's off the back of that um, or, or whatever, but mm-hmm. we'll the conspiracy. Yeah. I, I, no, I don't think they will be off to live surely. <sighs> I don't. Oh, you, they are, every I don't time think they are. though, you can't. You got to question it. You have to yeah. question it. I don't think they are, but I think the two excuses they've both given are pretty poor. Um, mm-hmm. They've they've both said that it's due to a frustration in their game, and they've both said the same thing, and that just sounds oh, quite rehearsed. Yeah. Um, they've both been copying their, their homework. <laughs> yeah, and neither of them have been playing that badly, so I'm not quite sure what they're no, they doing. haven't. They don't really make too much um, sense. And then, and then I saw something about Xander's resting his wrist for Riviera, so maybe there is some substance to it. But mm. either way, look, like, um, we shall see. I, I don't think they're going to go. I think if they do go, then the dynamic will have changes again because they've probably got to create another team. Um, <laughs> so, because they had those two floating players last week. Yeah, didn't I don't know how that will um, So who knows? Yes, yeah. Was Cantor played really well? Who else played? Was Cantor and who was the other last week? Trying to think, I did watch the final round as well. It was it was a cracking finish. I it was it was quality. 
very stressful bit having been on Neiman, but it was it was a really good watch. So that, yeah, that's the only only golf I watched last week. I got, got home late. Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch <clears> that a bit. I mean, obviously Pebble Beach was kind of enforced. You couldn't watch that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I didn't see much. The, the hours with um with Bahrain as well. I didn't really get to see much. So let's go on to this week. Um, we know everything we need to know about Doha and and the Qatar Masters at this point, Brad. Um, yes. Indefective. Um, big driving yeah, goal. Although the four, yeah, the forecast looks all right for this week, like similar to what we sort of had last October. You know, it's pretty yeah. clear. I think there is a little bit of wind. I think maybe the first and the second round, but yes, yeah, it's, it's mainly it's mainly sunny. So yeah, I reckon it's going to be quite scorable over the weekend. Any caution, Brad, on the people that played well here in October haven't necessarily played well in it in February. I don't think so. No, I wouldn't say so. No. no. Cool. I don't think it's in the sort of conditions. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't think so either. It's just thought it was worth the question. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think I think really, what is it that you look for? I mean, I think that you're benefiting if you're a long driver. There's mm-hmm. there seems to be enough crossover of link style golf to to kind yeah. of mention that. I I don't know, Brad, whether I think it's being good at links golf helps you play well here or just it's a similar sort of thing and you know yeah i think it's probably the exposure you know like of the the fairways the fairways are really exposed you know it's that um usually there's a bit of wind you know so yeah we've seen a massive crossover from the the dunhill links like former over the years haven't we and um portugal masters um made in himalayan so yeah and they're they're all sort of similar golf courses i think so in certain ways you know in terms of that they're exposed and you always see a certain type of sort of linksy players show up there. So I do think that, yeah, having sort of a links pedigree, it's it sort of gone well down here over the years. Doha. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those ones where, like, I'm fine with it being an addition to kind of people's picks, but I wouldn't want to base my picks around it at the same time. Um, no, no. With all that said, I, I, I haven't really picked people that have played that well on links, and that's not on purpose. It just happens to be that I've I've taken the approach of just who i like and, and that's kind of it yeah. um let's look at the the betting brad so you've got rasmus hoygaard the clear favorite 11 to 1 xander lombard 20 to 1 yannick paul 22 to 1 and then you've got a trio of players tom mckibben 25 thriston lawrence 25 kate and nakajima 28 um mm-hmm. you've obviously got one pick in here so we'll come on to that just uh, in a minute yes. but any words on kind of Hoygaard, Lombard, Paul? Oh, Hoygaard's just, uh, he's like a whim waiting to happen. But when he's that price, you just, you can't take him anymore, I don't think. Um, but yeah, Lombard keeps knocking on the door. Paul, I was on last week and he had a stomach bug with his with his caddy, uh, which I found, found out obviously uh, once they teed off on Thursday. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, so that didn't go down well. Um, but yeah, for me, uh, um Tom McKibben is the is the man up top for me this year, uh, this this week. Sorry, yeah, yeah, he stands out as the best option. Just before we go on to McKibben and your pick there, like I think with Hoygaard, it's a little bit unfair to say he's been disappointing because he hasn't been disappointing. His form's been very solid, but like what I mean when I say he's been disappointing to me, like I've pointed out that he's going to be my guy for the whole season of DP World Tour. I think he's going to, you know, potentially be the best of the rest on the race of the bye. He's going to get his PJ Tour club, yeah. etc. Um, hasn't really had mm-hmm. a great chance to win yet. No, I would say probably that um, Alhamra, wasn't it? Raz Al-Kamar. Yeah. He was, was he, he was second. He had, I think going into the weekend, you'd think, oh yeah, surely this is, this is him all over. You know, it's his time. And then he just had a, he sort of stalled, didn't he? I think, yeah. I think he, he shot, he, did, he, still, he still shot in the 60s, um, but he just didn't do enough. And I think that was where he probably had his best chance to win. But look, he's been playing so consistently that that's why you can't, you can't have him at anything other than favourite for this event. You know, he is the favourite and considerably so um, due to the way he started the season. Um and yeah, so uh, I just—it's a tough one to take the eleven to one now, isn't it? Yeah, and then look—that's exactly my thoughts. Like I think Ollison kind of showed him what you need. To, like you put your foot down, and, and this is how you win a tournament. And I don't think Hoygaard yeah. has had that yet. Um, 
obviously his time will come and he'll go and do the same as what Allison did. But um, yeah, 11 to 1, I'm, I'm fine to ignore. So going back to Tom McKibben, Brad, um, he was the last off of my shortlist, or probably the first off of my shortlist, because like start top to bottom, I guess. Like he he was very close for me, but mm-hmm. I don't know what's made me pause on him. But just at 25 to 1, why do you think he's the pick of the week? Uh, I just feel like, well, I don't, sort of, as we've said with Rasmus, he started off the year really solidly. I think McKibben has as well. Yeah. I, um, he hasn't had, he hasn't threatened to win, but he's been 25th, 14th, um, and he was 16th last time out. Um, he's just been exceptional off the tee. Like, he finished the year um, also just being incredible off the tee. I think it was in Australia. Yeah, um, yeah he's been inside the top seven strokes gained. Off the tee in his last four starts, um, and what caught my eye was uh, last time out at um, Alhambra, he, he had his best iron display of the year, ranking uh, fifth on approach. Um, unfortunately, he coupled that with his worst putting display of the year, and I, and I was on him that week as well, so that's quite painful to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to stick with him. Um, he's just a decent putting week away from a win, um, and. He finished ninth here um, last year on his first visit. Yeah. Uh, he has Link's pedigree in abundance, which we were saying earlier, can tie in here. Um, he had that tied uh, 14th at the Dunhill Links as well last year, which is always good to see. Um, and yeah, despite getting his maiden win last year, he he did struggle, didn't he, for consistency? Like he was in and out of form. Uh, but it's still early days. But it's it's been quite the opposite, and he he's looked really solid. I quite like his chances for um, to get a card for the PGA Tour. And, yeah, I think a win a win looks imminent. Yeah, no, I'd echo all of that. I think that, like, there's there's very little negative on him. It's only because I was so keen on the one that I'm starting my card with as, as to why he missed out. Um, and I guess I'll go into that. It's Frederick LaCroix. I was, I was quite surprised, Brad, that you could still get 33 to 1 about LaCroix this week, mm-hmm. um, given the strength of the field. And I kind of had a discussion with you over text earlier today um before you know when we were sort of talking about our picks and things like that and like look I, I just think that people have looked at him and gone look he's bordering 30 years of age and he hasn't won yet so is this sustainable but I think what is really important to point out is that he wasn't he didn't turn pro until 2019 so he's a bit of a late bloomer um didn't go yep. to you know US college or whatever um and I just think that that changes your kind of approach to the game. He won three times on the Alps Tour very quickly after turning pro. Might have even won when he was an amateur, I'm not sure. Um, and then three seconds on the Challenge Tour can go different ways, can't they, in that first season where he, you know, he advanced to the DP World Tour. And, and he's done nothing really but contend since he's been up here as well. And mm-hmm. look, he hasn't got over the line yet. And maybe you can couple him in the same sort of bracket as Xander Lombard at the moment. But the thing with LaCroix that I can't, ignore is just how much substance there is in his game like he finished third in that grand tour you know challenge tour grand final you think okay maybe that's just that's his level and then he finishes 17th in Joburg where he's eighth after 54 holes fifth at the South Africa Open and then kicks off the year third and fourth Raz Alkheimer third and then fourth last week which you know really positive uh weekend there to, to climb up the leaderboard mm-hmm. so everything around him is pretty solid you then look at his strokes going approach he's twice been inside the top 10 all four times been inside the top 30 and then um his tee screen game has been eighth sixth second and fourth in those starts as well mm-hmm. best best tee screen player in the field so um yeah i just it's just got so much substance to it i think he's a little bit underrated because of this idea that he's a late bloomer that hasn't really got it and i think he has got it yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And he was another one I strongly looked at. And yeah, I, I really rated him um, on the Challenge Tour last year. He finished the year strong. I watched um, all of that final, as I said to you earlier, that Challenge Tour final, and he he was superb. Like I, as I said, like Marco Penn, uh, he 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 did steal the show, but he was also very great to watch along with Tom Ballant. Um, but yeah, okay, he's just carried on from there, hasn't he? He's just yeah. been consistently good, getting better. He's found his feet at this level, and I think this is only his—he's still new to this level, you know. Like, I mean, he had—he had a. I think he lost his card um, once. Um, I think yeah. he's had one year on the, on tour. So really, this is his second year. Um, he's had to get card back the hard way, and yeah, I really, I really fancy him. To, I mean, with, with his start. 
um, you, you can't say like how he's really set himself up really nicely for the year. And as you said to me earlier, like you, you strongly fancy him to get um, to get a card now as well, don't you? Yeah, I think I think he will look. There's some people will like this, some people won't. I sit pretty much in the middle. I don't really see it as a massive factor, but he will look at Pavon as a fellow Frenchman, bit of a journeyman who's now gone and got a PJ Tour card after getting his first win on the DP World Tour, then goes and wins on uh, the PJ Tour very quickly and then almost could have won the week after. It wasn't for a shortened event as well. So um, he will see how quickly careers can change. And, mm-hmm. yeah, like he's, I think he's just going to ride this wave. And I think that really and truly all he's actually done since he's been here, I know he lost his card that one season, but he was fifth at Troberg in 2021. He, you know, he, he had contended in previously. He was top 10 at the BMW International Open. Those were his two sort of big, uh, big finishes in that first year. And, but he turned, as I said, turned pro in 2019. He lost a year because of COVID. And then, you know, it's not that much after that, really. And it's hard to sustain it. So if this is what LaCroix is going forward, then I'm, I'm very happy to be on him at 33 to 1. So um, mm. had to start my card there. Um, I will go first for the second picks this time around and give you a chance to save your breath. I'm going to go with um, Rakoya Hoshino at 45 to 1. Now, finished 2023 really strongly, didn't he, Brad? Back-to-back second yeah. place finishes in Australia. Uh, one was a playoff loss to Neiman and one was behind Mimouli. Now, the playoff loss, Neiman had to eagle that to win. So he's won it rather than Hoshino losing it. Yeah. Um, he then finished 12th last week after a couple of missed cuts to start the year. And just that just gave me enough encouragement that, you know, he hasn't completely deserted his form at the end of last year. It's just maybe a couple of tough courses for him or whatever. Um, and you look at it, 36 here last year. But he was actually 7th after round 1 and 12th after round 2. So what you've got is a what six-time winner on the, on the Japanese tour, someone that, you know, came close to winning at the back end of last year. And actually... I think there's a certain amount of relevance to those Australia performances as well, because it's all about exposure and things like that. You get a little bit of that in those Australia events, don't you? So a couple of back-to-back finishes there, um, nice to see. And then you think, okay, well, will he kind of cope with the longer longer course? Well, he was 26th in the US Open. It's always a tough driving test. Third at the BMW International Open. Again, relatively tough driving test. Seventh in the Irish Open. A little bit of kind of um, linksy breeze there, although it wasn't, a true mm-hmm. links that week and then you've got what he's done in this part of the world so to me i think that that hashino is a, a great pick and you know sixth at the razzle climber last year suggests he can play well this time of year in this part of the world so yeah mm-hmm. all in on someone that i think can can definitely win this year on the dp world tour yeah no i agree with that i'm massive on hashino as you know and uh yeah i feel like he's only going in one direction as he finds his feet here I think he already has found his feet, but, yeah. you know, he gets even more settled in. Um, he's seen the courses, majority of them now, so I think he's only going to be stronger this year. Um, and, yeah, he seems to love the desert, doesn't he? Yeah, I think you're right about kind of finding your feet, right? Because, like, look, there's, there's finding your feet as in, like, you've never been at the top level before. And then there's finding your feet with the Shino, who is a six-time winner in Japan, that finding his feet on the DPO Tour will be him finding contention more often than not and he's done that at the back end of last year he's now you know back in form after last week and yeah really keen on Hashino so I think he'll he'll look at this week as a as a great opportunity slightly weaker field um Mm -hmm. before that kind of Asian swing comes around I'm sure you'll want to impress there so um happy with the Hashino pick and that brings us on to your second pick who's best price bred at 50 to 1. Yep, 50 to 1, Daniel Hillier. Um, and yeah, Hillier, was, uh, like McKibben, was another player that impressed on his first visit at Doha. Um, he was leader going into the weekend. Uh, he was leading by two. Uh, then he shot 74 and 73 as the occasion got to him, which is quite surprising considering he had already got that win under his belt um, at the British Masters earlier in the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it happens to everyone. And uh, he finished tied 23rd uh last time out at, um the razai kamar and he hit the ball really well uh i think he's 21st off the tee seventh on approach um i like his third at galgon castle uh 15th at the portugal masters i think that really boosts his claim here um and he's just another player with uh links pedigree obviously how's from new zealand um i used to back him 
a lot on the Australian tour, especially at Moona Links. Uh, he finished eighth and eleventh there in two starts. And yeah, I just think this test is right up his street. Um, ball striking's looked in really great shape um, at the start of the season. And I, str- I strongly fancy him to go well. I really do. And he's recently hitched since his last start as well. So some people are into that kind of thing, you know, you know, fuel of performance. We've seen it in the past. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to like Daniel Hillier at 50 to 1. Another one like LaCroix, Brad, where the, the ball striking has been pretty sustainable. Like his iron play has been good most of the end of 2023 mm. and the start of this year as well. And forgive me if you already said this, but he was the, the 18 hole and the 36 hole leader here in, in October. Yes. Um, yeah, good, yeah. So, you know, two opening rounds of 65 and then, you know, maybe struggled at the weekend. But look, I, I think Hillier's, um, you know, a great talent. We, we were keen on him last year and he obviously got that breakthrough win. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no reason why he can't go and double up, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Jesper Svensson, for me, next, Brad, is someone that we talked about a lot um, previewing the year. Uh, I was pretty yeah. keen on him to, to do well. He's still 50 to 1, 7 places, Brad, which I think is good value when you consider that I think he's probably, I mean, LaCroix has obviously been brilliant, but in terms of just like people that we're kind of new to, I think he's been probably one of the most promising that have come on, right? Like, he finished 11th in that mm-hmm. Challenge Tour uh, grand final. But even when he was 70th on his first uh, start on the VP World Tour, he was third after round one at the Joburg. He finished his second the following week. He was the 36-hole leader um, in South Africa at the South African Open. He did miss the cut at the Alfred Dunhill. But again, he opened with a 69, and he was 22nd after round one. And then he's played pretty well in, you know, first starts in Dubai as a classic 31st, 47th at Raz Al-Khaimah, um, and then just comes straight out of the block again and the 36-hole leader again in Bahrain and finishes second. Now, you could argue that when he was in the, the stronger field in Dubai, he kind of got lost a little bit and he didn't do great at Raz. And why do you think he's going to do so well in Qatar? But I just think that the driving prowess that he's shown since he's come on, the consistency that he's shown mm-hmm. since he's come on is, is really impressive. And, Look, form-wise, he's 12th in this field over the last 15 weeks, and he's and he's not priced like that. And I get that when you've got a lot of high-profile players. Um, you know, you, you go to the PJ Tour, and they'll be JT Post and will be, you know, top 10, I guess, in form. And that's just a figure off the top of my head. But, like, he will be up there. But there'll be so many players that you've got to kind of take in, you know, account because you've got the JTs and the Jordan Spees and the Homers. It doesn't really matter how they play. They're going to be above them in the odds. But, I mean... What are we talking about here? I mean, we've got we've got Rasmus, and then you know we're you're obviously keen on McKibbin, and I'm keen on Lacroix, but you then got mm-hmm. a lot of people shorter that you never know what Tristan Lawrence is going to do. I think he's a good player and you know potentially a good. Yeah, guy. he's he, he's the one you look at. I suppose if he gets himself in contention, but like you say, you never you never know what if he's going to show up one week no. or the other. And and we know Soderberg is playing so well, but he doesn't mm-hmm. really seem to get it done. Lane Gask is. Just always this price, regardless of what he does. Rosner, similar sort of, you know, circumstance. Obviously, a winner of this event at a different course. But mm-hmm. Mansell, we know what he does. Like, we know everything we need to know about these kind of players. And if you want to back them and take the risks that come with playing them, then that's absolutely fine. I, I wouldn't put anyone off any of those players. But there's still this element of unknown about Svensson that I do like. And um, yeah. I've kind of had my Del Rey experiment for the last couple of weeks and hasn't kind of proved too fruitful in the end. So I'll take a chance at Svensson that's uh, hung around yeah. longer. So that's me on Svensson at uh, 50 to 1 with seven places. Yeah. I like it a lot. I mean, we've both been singing his praises, haven't we? And yeah. he's just he's just settled in uh, so well. And honestly, I, when I was uh, betting him on the, the challenge tour, I didn't have any idea uh, what kind of player he was, which yeah. is... It's just so shit, really, that the challenge to haven't even sorted out any stats yet. But anyway, that's a completely different conversation. But yeah, it took until he got to the DP World Tour to realise how much of a, an animal he is off the tee and a hell of a ball striker. And yeah, he looks like a right player. I can't wait to see more of him this year. Yeah, I think it is that driving prowess that's really kind of put me on him this week. And look, again, like I said about a couple of players this year, like if, if LaCroix's form drops off, if Svensson's form drops off, they're not players that I'm attached to like a Sean Crocker that I'm going to keep betting every week even though I shouldn't like I will just be able to get rid of them until they come again like I'm not I'm not too worried about it so I'm going to take a chance on them while they're in the form they're in um mm-hmm. I haven't got too much scar tissue with either of them so looking forward to it um 
I do like Houghton Lee. I think that the price when he was 100 to 1, 125 to 1, was a massive overreaction to him missing the cut. Um, he's now back down to kind of like 70 and it's 50 mm. if you want the extra places. So I gave him on the, the DPR Tour pick show last night with Sky, but he was 100 to 1 over there and that made more sense. But now he's kind of come in. I'm, I'm not going to get there. But he would mm. he would make sense to me for, for obvious I reasons. Think, um, yeah, I agree. At 100 to 1, I was giving him a good look as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did get there. But I think this is the sort of price he should be at. We know what he's capable of. Yeah. If he's in the mood, he's another one, isn't he? Yeah. All depends if he shows up or not. Yeah, exactly that. What did you make of Endicott and his appearance last week? Yeah, I, I was close to him last week. I, I think he, he got himself sort of up there didn't he and then sort of fell away final round um look i mean he's a pga tour player at the end of the day and we always say when they come come over here um you should probably uh pay attention you know and uh, he he obviously isn't the same sort of caliber of some of the pga tour players we do welcome but at the same time he's he's impre- impressed he did yeah. and he settled in straight away i mean he hasn't played any desert golf before or at least hasn't competed um so yeah he's he did really well and yeah he's definitely worth a another look this week i do believe but i didn't i didn't get there and i actually wasn't that close to him i was more close last week actually no um, he could go well again yeah i wasn't well i just thought it was worth the conversation because he what he did last week he was fifth after two rounds and then just went immediately backwards uh, you know a pair of 73s over the weekend now it was a tough scoring um event at times and so the 73s probably look harsher than, than they maybe are but i think that the kind of assumption is like you've just said there like when these pj tour players come over we expect them to you know naturally be a drop down and then they're going to massively you know shine if they get in contention and the, the, the difference with Harrison Endicott is this has kind of been his career so far, right? Like, I don't even know necessarily that he's yeah. been the best in contention even at the Corn Ferry Tour final or Corn Ferry Tour level. So it's it's something that, you know, him as a, an individual is is worth looking at because, mm-hmm. you know, he's still what? Like, I think he's, only, like, he's still sub 30, right? He's still pretty young. He's got things to figure out. Um, and he and he's taking the opportunity with both hands. So I'm, I'm interested to see how he does. I think it's a, a good platform for him to to come yeah. and you know back to back. I think it's great that he's come over to, yeah. to play in these events. Yeah, it's good to yeah. good to have him. Yeah. Hundred to one, Brad is your next pick. You can have um, yes. have him as six places. Yep, six places. Sky Bet and William Hill, uh, yeah. and that's uh, David Mitchelusi. Yeah. Um, and yeah, after a bit part status last year, um, he's he's now got full status. Um, and yeah, I think he's certainly one to keep an eye on. Um, in the last two years, I think he has four wins on the Australian tour. Um, he he won the Order of Merit last year to get his DP World Tour card. Um, and yeah, he got his season up and running last week in Bahrain with um, a tied 16th finish. Um, he was actually on course for a top 10, but dropped three shots in his last four holes, yeah. uh, which is a bit annoying for him. Um, but yeah, last year, his two best finishes came at the Dunhill Links, uh, where he finished tied 14th and uh, tied 17th at the Maiden Himalayas. Um, and obviously, that's two events that I've been talking about. Um, they, they tie well into this week. The courses used are um, exposed, underlaid, have that linksy feel. Uh, we've seen plenty of crossover in them leaderboards um, from both events. Uh, Grace and Carson, they've both won the Dunhill Links and... Qatar, you've got Ferguson, who won in Qatar. Uh, he finished runner-up at Himalayan. Then also Pepperell, uh, he's had a good record at both. He won Qatar and fourth in Himalayan. So, yeah, there is definitely something there. And it, it's, it's eye-catching that his his two best performances last year came on an exposed setup like he'll have this week at Doha. Um, and he, he's yet to get in contention at this level. Um but he's he's proven prolific in Australia in recent years, so he he might be ready to win from the off. Um, and whilst he's still in the triple digits, um, it's an easy take to find out. Yeah, we we talked about Mitchell a lot last year, didn't we? Based on that kind of Australian form, and he actually I think we thought he was going to come over a bit earlier than he did, and I don't think his his card didn't quite work out in the way that we expected it to. But full team for the Dunhill Links, like you said, and. I'm pretty sure he played pretty well at the Open Championship for a decent amount of time. And, um, yeah. you know, it, it, to me, he's just a player, again, that when you get into the 100-to-1 mark and things like that, 
it's good to find out what these players are, isn't it? Like a low opportunity cost. Um, That's right, yeah. He won at the tail end last year. He's, he's 16th last week. If he'd have gone miscut, miscut at the Raz and the Bahrain, you go, okay, maybe he's just not playing that well. But, you know, he's immediately back after a miscut to finish 16th last week. And, yeah, I think I think Michelouzi is certainly one that, look, at the end of the day, we know it is very best he wins and he wins at the levels that he's been playing at. And I get that they're not as high as this DP World Tour level. And you get you see that when you go over to the Australian Tour four events. But, um, yeah, I'm absolutely fine with that. I, I like him. I think it's I think it's a good opportunity to take him while the price is right. Mm-hmm. Talking about the price is right. Um, <laughs> Lorenzo Vera for me, I, I, I just felt the price was right in the sense that I think there's a limited upside to him winning. Um, he struggled to do it at his very best. So to really think that he's going to go and do it out of the blue would be a bit of a take, I guess. But mm-hmm. 26th at the end of the CMR is where he was fifth at the halfway point. He made the cut of the Alfred Dunhill before the end of the year, so he had a, at least a little bit of form going into the final, you know, into 2024. Um, when he missed the cut here in October, he was actually 24th after round one, so it's not like he was, um, you know, poor for the whole week. Seventh at the halfway mark at the Divide Desert Classic, and then fell away after a Saturday 77, and then 13th for the Raz Alkaima. He's playing pretty solidly. Even last week, he, he shot a second round 80, but he was. 13th after round one. So it's yeah, so one bad round. Yeah, so it's one bad rounds every week that are costing him. But you look at uh, Mike Lorenzo's form here. He he missed his first cut, but then he went 30th, 59th, and then 4th, 10th, 2nd. Now, the 4th, 10th, and 2nd are Mike Lorenzo Vera all over, right? Like, he, he doesn't yeah. win. And I don't know if he's officially the person with the most amount of starts without a win, but he's got to be up there. Um, got to be up there, yeah. So I mean, maybe Justin Waters, maybe. Yeah, it's going to be close between the two of them, isn't it? But yeah. and he and he didn't win on a challenge, or he did win once on a challenge tour. But like it, to me, he's a player that I don't necessarily know that it's always a case of he can't win. I think it's just a case of like when he's been there, some other people perform better, or he's been there halfway and then you know kind of fade out the weekend. I don't seem to remember him too many times being right in the hunt and then kind of throwing it away. So. That might be me having a bit of a biased memory, hoping it doesn't happen again. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, he lost in a playoff to Lagergren. If he wins that one at the Rocco Forte, you suddenly think, well, he's capable of winning. And he's been 16th in the BJ Championship and things like that. Like, he's, he's a good professional that's been around for a long time for a reason. Um, and this is just a part of the world, Brad, that, that he really loves. He loves it, yeah. And another player who could be inspired by um, Matthew Pafon's recent win in um, BJ Tour. Absolutely. Um, I think that just about wraps it up. I, I was I was impressed to see Manasero hit the ball well last week after a really um, dull patch in terms of form and everything like that. Um, but I don't think this is a great course for him. The one the one I kind of messaged you about. Uh, Joel Gerbach. Yeah, Gerbach. Yeah, so Joel Gerbach still two hundred seventy five to one. Um, that to me seems a little bit wrong when he's finished 20th and th- uh, 20th and 8th the last two weeks I yeah. guess it's probably he's not the longest um, and it is only two weeks of form and there's not a massive amount of sustainability behind it mm. potentially but I still think that's a big price for someone that's played well for the last two weeks yeah I think it's disrespectful as I said to you and like considering how well he's played um, and also he he's quite streaky like I, I think I remember him putting some results together on the challenge tour last year like a few good results at once so um, yeah he could he could be he could be on for another good performance this week it wouldn't surprise me absolutely let's head over to the Phoenix Open then um, an event that we know very well um, one that we enjoy I think is is absolutely the point yeah, I, love, I love watching this one Scotty Scheffler going for a three-peat Brad and he's five to one to do so Justin Thomas 10 to one Max Homer 16 to one Jordan Spieth 18 to one Sam Burns 20 to one um it would be no surprise if Scheffler just goes and wins it would it obviously I mean he's no, been seven first and first the last three years here he's led the par four scoring every single time I think um I, I just can't pay him at five to one. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. No, likewise. No, but obviously it's his his course. I mean, it's the ball strikers' course, isn't it? It's rewarded yeah. them over the years. 
and uh, yeah, patterns a lot more simpler. So yeah. might. I think it's like misconstrued that like you don't have to putt well to win here. I just don't. You don't have to be a great putter to putt well here. I think is what you're saying. Like yeah, because you've seen it with Hideki, Woodland, Brooks. You know, Brooks is a good putter, but like even Ricky and people like that, like they've won here without having their kind of um, streaky putters. So yeah, I, I think that's probably why he's done so well. JT ten to one. Brad feels like he's going to win soon. It definitely does, yeah. And um, obviously, his price come in a little bit since uh, Hovland and Shuffler have withdrawn, which is the case for a lot of a lot of these players. Um, but yeah, I think that is probably the lowest I'd go, ten to one. Yeah. Um, price. I mean, he had a, he had that rotten spell of form, didn't he? Yeah. And he just looks rejuvenated. Um, yeah, poised to win anytime soon. So yeah. Oh, I really like it. I really like his chances. Um, he obviously hasn't finished outside the top 12 um, in his last five starts. Um, he started this year with a third at the Amex, um, sixth last week at Pebble, and just ball striking at Pebble was was really good. I think it's the best it's been in a long time. Uh, he ranked out sixth in the field. He also ranked uh, second tee to green, 15th on approach. So yeah, that bodes really well to a course such as TPC. Scottsdale, um, as I just said, it rewards the best ball strikers over the years. And JT has an excellent record here. Uh, he's, he's not finished worse than 17th in his last six visits. He's finished third on two occasions, fourth, eighth. He's done everything but win, I guess. Um, he's been in contention a few times. Um, and yeah, after, after the year he's just had, I'm sure he'll just want to get a win on the board as early as possible into the season um but yeah he will have to he'll have to get the better of scottish Scheffler as does everyone else because yeah he's on he's on for a hat trick and i think he is obviously still the man to beat which is tough going but I, I do fancy thomas will be up there this week contending yeah I, I think you're right that 10 to 1 should be the bottom price and i'm glad you're sticking with him because i, I do think he's definitely gonna win soon i i like him here or riviera and you know we'll see what price he is next week based on what he does this week right mm. but um, as you yeah. said, not worse than 17th for the last six starts. He's actually only missed two cuts, and the time before that, he finished 17th for his debut as well. So I don't think it's the easiest course to be that consistent at either. I know there are players like Scheffler and Matsuyama and people like that that have done it. Brooks has obviously played well mm. here quite a few times. But but even like someone like Ricky, who's won here, he's got a couple of seconds. Like He's also got four missed cuts in the last kind of like 10 years. So I don't think it's easy. Daniel Berger at 10th, 7th and 9th and then three missed cuts. Like, I don't think it's an easy course because if you just, if you let the scoring get away from you a little bit, um, you're, you're struggling and the atmosphere can ramp up and things like that. And I think yeah. it happens on Super Bowl weekend and that can sit, people can give up a little bit to get out for that. So um, but there's loads of different factors in that. So I, I think that the fact that he's been so consistent for so long is is a, an asset to Justin Thomas. So I can see why you'd be with him at 10 to 1. Um, mm-hmm. The one for me, who I actually had to kind of convince myself on a little bit because you're asking, you've been asked to take, I guess, probably the shortest price you'll probably take for him for a little while. But uh, Sam Burns is 20 to 1 or he's 18 to 1 with the eight places. Um, and I think that's absolutely fine. I think that when you look at it in the context of being, I mean, and this is not a direct comparison, but just being double the price of JT in general and being a little bit bigger than Speed and Homer, I'm absolutely fine with that. And and actually, when I sort of dug into it a little bit more, it's probably the most confident I've been on Sam Burns for uh, probably ever. Like, he's not someone that I, I've picked him before and mm-hmm. just liked him. But this time, I just think this is the absolute perfect time to play him. He was he was poor, wasn't he, at the tail end of last year at times and wasn't great in the Ryder Cup, but then kicked off the year pretty averagely at the, the century, at four rounds of 69 or better, but never really made any inroads. But then straight away, American Express, 61 in round two, 65 round three, should have won. Just went in the water a couple of times when he shouldn't have done. Um, tenth at Pebble Beach um, last week, and you look at his course record, Brad, and I think it's one of those that probably better than than it even meets the eye at times. Um, yeah. Sixth last year, but he bounced back from a you know relatively slow start. When he was 22nd, he was third after round one and fourth after round two. When he missed the cut in between that, he was 18th after round one. Um, so to me, he's never really had like even when he missed the cut the year before that, he was he shot 69 in round one, he was 30th. Like he's never had a real tough go of it here. He's either just missed the yeah. cut or or played really well, Brad. And I think that Burns, when you take out Hovland, Shuffle, Rory, 
Ra, yeah. all those sort of usual suspects at the top. I think Burns is is among these kind of JT and Speeds and Homers and that type. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with I'm with you. I'm with you on Burns. I, I just I, as you said, I, I echo everything you said. Um, like he's just starting off the year strong, and as you said, like with with the likes with the with the strong players that are not in the field anymore, he is now part of that group up the top. That you know, if he does get in contention, he he knows how to win. He's got five wins, um, and he'll give us a good run for our money, no doubt. If he does get in contention, um, and he has been relying heavily on his putter recently, um, but. His iron play was, yeah, it was it was eye catching last week. It was the best it's been for a while. He gained over two strokes, ranked 17th in the field on approach. So yeah, that's the that's the best it's been for a while. And he will probably have to improve off the tee this week if he wants to win. But yeah, I, I really I really like his chances. Um, and I think at 20 to one in this field, I think he's he's a good bet. At the moment, Brad, this iteration of what we're looking at with Sam Burns at the moment, he's good for a winning year, isn't he? Two in 2021, two in yes. 2022, one in 2023. Um, the, the, the Sam Burns that he is now, and he could have actually had three in 2021, lost in the playoff as well to answer. So he could have conceivably had six wins in four years. Like it's, it's or three years, sorry. It's, it's really impressive what he is now. His win rate is really good. Yes, mm-hmm. he's that's a go to a playoff a couple of times. We see Scotty Scheffler, he's beat Cam Young head to head, he's beat Cam Young by a stroke at Sands and Farms. Like he's mm-hmm. beat really impressive players that everyone seems to want to bet on as well. Um yeah, love Sam Burns this week. And like you said, when those players are not here, he then slots in pretty well in this part of the um card. So um yes, yeah. Sam Burns. Next up for me, I was close here because I, I Basically, the, the next week, are in the odds now. So, Sahith Thagala, I'm still going to go with because he's 33 to 1 with the eight places. Um, mm-hmm. If it was Hideki was kind of 40 to 1 with eight places and Sahith was only 28 with the eight places or something like that, I'd probably favour Hideki. But I just think the winning upside is there a little bit more with Thagala at the moment. I think mm-hmm. Matsuyama's still got some stuff to figure out and I think he might have a really good top 15 finish this week. But the, the upside at the moment, and the, I think he's still a little bit fragile in his game, whereas I think Thagala's just full system go. Um, he lit me down a little bit at Tory Pines. There's, there's no getting away from that, uh, where I felt he was really well suited, and lots of the same reasons as to why I like him here. Um, but he was he bounced back from that sort of disappointing week, finished 20th last week, 10th after round two. Won't sort of get too worried about that kind of fall on the Saturday, because... I think no one really knew what was going on with that event and mentally that's kind of a difficult thing to deal with. Really unfortunate not to win here um, on his mm-hmm. debut was the fifth for hole leader, went into the water really unfortunately on the 17th hole. Um, and then look, last year Bradley wasn't that great, he was 39th, but I think he's just mm-hmm. you know, he's been in that contention again, he pushed Chris Kirk all the way at the century um, did everything he could to kind of chase him down there and actually he led after round one there as well, so he's in contention basically the whole week um, I, I just think the gala. I looked at there and I was like, look, you look at the profile of players, and this is the sort of event that breeds future major champions. You've seen mm-hmm. um, Woodland go on and win a major after this, Brooks Kepp go on and win a major after this, Matsuyama go on, Scheffler obviously go on, um, Ricky would have been touted as a major champion when he won here. Like, it's that type of event where, generally speaking, they go on to do those things. Mm-hmm. That's what I think the gala can be in the future, Brad. And if I yeah. think he's going to go and have to take down an event like this. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and he he is ready to win an event like this like quite easily, you know, like um he's he's just been he's just been brilliant and it, I was heartbreaking the way he lost this on his day, but I, I remember watching that. It was I wasn't I, I just I felt for everyone that was even on him, but let alone but more so just for him as well because it was pay- it was a painful watch. I think everyone was cheering for him, regardless of who you bet on. To be honest, like, it was it was it was heartbreaking. But it, he's he's such a good player, and it, look, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna have a big year. I think he's gonna do something in the majors as well. Um, and so yeah, I think I think um, he's a good player to take this week for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna now rattle through my final three picks because they're all shorter than your final pick, Brad. So I'll take yeah, a man. breath here, and then I'll um, I'll go back to back to back. Um, but I'm going with Kurt Kitayama again this week. It was 
a little bit of a tough decision, I would say, is whether I wanted to put an extra pick in. But in the end, I felt like I'd feel really stupid if I didn't stick to him because everything I liked about him last week, I liked this week and more. Um, I thought he was generally quite good on power. It turns out it's actually his worst putting surface, even though he sort of grew up around that area um, where those greens are. And actually, it's Bermuda grass greens where he plays his best golf. Now, putting, like just strokes going putting-wise, he's actually better on Paz Palom, as Matt points out to me on a DraftKings show. But when you look at just his overall scoring with courses that feature Bermuda grass greens, that's his best service. Now, um, Bermuda grass is, is what we've got this week. He was 39th, but he actually hit rounds of um, 69 and 67, which were fine. He was 19th. Um, in strokes can approach and he led the field in tee to green so for me that ball striking performance suggests that there was only one real concern it was the putting uh i'm hoping it's going to pick up this week and last year he's 23rd here opened with a round of 75 as well so to bounce back from that with a second round 67 and the final round 66 gives me a lot of encouragement brad in a field mm-hmm. where it is it's not i don't know if it's necessarily got that elevated status now but it feels like a bigger event and he showed that in bay yeah. hill last year when he won hundred percent. I really like Kurt as well. I think his ball striking was brilliant last week. I think it's a, a good course for him. So yeah, I'm all aboard that selection. Yeah. And then the other one for me is Tom Hoagie, who has come in a little bit, um, 90 to one with the places now for Tom Hoagie. But I, I think this is potentially, I don't know, I, I haven't looked at everyone's picks this week, but I normally would know by now, but I feel like he's gone a little bit under the radar in the sense mm-hmm. that he's been inside the top eight, the strokes can approach three times already in 2024 now. Um, We know he lacks a little bit of distance, but he's been inside the top 20 for T screen in two of those last three weeks as well. So he's obviously hitting it really, really well. Um, And what he's done here has been really impressive. Now he's missed three cuts, but the three times he's made them, he's been 43rd, 25th and 14th. And actually when you look into more granular detail with um, Hoagie, he was inside the top 12 for the first three rounds when he finished 43rd. He was then 25th a year later, where he was actually, I think, 11th going into Sunday. And then two years ago, he finished 14th here when he just won at Pebble. Uh, I think he was 7th going into the final round there as well. Loves mm. Bermuda grass greens as his favourite surface in terms of scoring. Um, I think Tom Hoagie's full systems go again. I think I think he's back to, to what he was doing before he got that win. Um, you know, 17th and 6th already in the last two weeks. To me, he's, he's ready to go. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, I really liked Tom Hoagie this week and 266s at Pebble. Like he was moving in the right direction going into Sunday. Yeah. Um, whether how how he would have handled the weather, I, I don't know. I don't, but even so, like if you look at his approach numbers, they were back to I think that's his bread and butter, isn't it? When he's hitting his irons really well, um, and he's doing that at the moment. Um, and as you said, that he's been he's been there or thereabouts final final day at Scottsdale three years isn't he and he's just yeah. he's, he's putting a bit of a stinker on Sunday so he's, he's he's he can play well here we've seen it so I think if you put four rounds together he'd be he could be there I, I took the encouragement Brad but every single time he's done it now so like he's obviously missed three cuts in between but like he's gone 43rd 25th 14th or whatever it was I just said that like Every time, although he's never figured out it for four rounds, every single time he's got that little bit better, he's stuck around for a little bit longer. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's figuring it out. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, he obviously knows now how to get around, and there's probably the odd mistake or the bad putt, whatever it is that comes with Tom Hoagie. Like he's not the finished product, which is why he's nearly 100 to one. But um, all over him, at, you know. Yeah, I, I think he's coming into this in really good form as well. Or well, not really good, but you know, good, like good for him. Plenty, good, plenty good enough, you know. Yeah, and I think. I think, as you said, like it's the it's the strokes going approach stuff, Brad. Like well, you know when Tom Hoagie's going to play well because he's been hitting his irons. Yeah. Like he That's doesn't 100%. just come out of nowhere and start playing well again. Like it, you, it kind of um, foreshadows it a little bit, and I'm I'm happy with with what he's done. So looking forward to that. And then someone of a similar ilk in terms of kind of course and current form of not necessarily putting it around to together for four rounds, but Michael Kim has impressed me for a little bit of time now and I think we always say these sort of things that when they're chirping a little bit more on Twitter you, you kind of think they must be playing a bit better or feel a bit confident yeah. um he's I mean he's been in full flow for a couple of years now on Twitter hasn't he but um yeah I just think Michael Kim's been playing plenty well enough on the, on the face of it he's finished 45th 24th and 58th 
But you dive in a little bit deeper, and he was 45th on debut. He was 13th for the halfway mark. A year later, he come back here, and he was going into the final round in third. Um, and he finished 24th. And then he missed a couple of cuts here, and then finished 58th. And he opened with a 68. So he was 12th last that first round here, the last time he played here. He's been playing pretty well for maybe, I mean, pretty much most of 2023, really. He came back with a vengeance, yeah. didn't he? And he was fifth at the Wyndham. 18th at the Shriners, 23rd in Mexico. And even when he was 23rd in Mexico, he was second after round one, ninth after round three. And then he's kicked off 2024 quite similarly as well. He was um, sixth at the, at the Amex, but he was actually second after 36 holes. And at Torrey Pines, he was ninth after round one, fifth after round two, and just fell mm-hmm. away at the weekend. So, look, what does that say about Michael Kimbrad? He's maybe not there for the four rounds yet. He... Maybe hasn't got the four rounds at Phoenix just yet. But the initial iteration of Michael Kim that first came out on the PGA Tour was very, very good. He won very quickly, won very dominantly. And I don't think, I think that was probably an anomaly, the way that he won that week, obviously, with how many strokes he won by. But like, he feels like he's now, what he did throughout 2023 and the early part of this year is kind of the player that he is. And it's just going to spike at some point. Um, yeah. And if he spikes two or three times a year, the, the kind of bank of history he's got so far suggests it could be here. And he was mm. in the top 25 in both approach and T-screen uh, at Torrey Pine. So in good form. Yeah, 100% agree with all that. He's, he's been playing really well, uh, consistently well for, but he hasn't missed a cut in seven events. Yeah. Um, uh, he's finished the year off strong and he's, he started it even stronger. So, yeah, I, I think he's moving in the right direction. Um, and, yeah, I think I, I remember you when you messaged me, I was like, he does he does look bigger at, yeah. at that price. I mean, you said 125 to one, right? I was like, yeah, he yeah. he certainly does look bigger at that price. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm full on board with that pick. I think it's a good pick. A couple I liked in the kind of triple digits I didn't get to. Uh, Christian Bezween, how I've gone kind of full circle on this guy. I went from... Him always being a little bit too short in the betting, always being a little bit overhyped. And now I think he's actually a better player than he was when he was getting all the attention and is actually not getting Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's almost now, like he, he's been really solid, isn't he? Like he finished second at, no, at the Amex and, and stuck around when players were flailing. Didn't play very well at Torrey Pines, but not a massive surprise. And then 20th last week. Didn't make the cut here last year and it's probably not his type of course, which is why I didn't get to him. But like, I do think, there was a lot of talk about him and then all of a sudden it's died down and I think mm-hmm. he kind of deserves it. I don't know if it's just one of those ones where I'm like, oh, now I don't see his name every week. I'm, I'm happy to play him. But it's... You know, yeah. yeah, do you know, with this event, I sometimes feel like you have to have the right personality to do yeah. well. And too, I, too shy. Yeah. yeah, and I don't... It doesn't... I don't think Poseidon Hell can, um, can maybe cope with all the... No. The, the noise and the pressure of the fans and whatever right. else. So, you know, I do sometimes factor that in. Um, yeah. and, I think uh, you have to. Like, I think it's got to be considered, right? And um, I guess the counter-argument to, the, to him and being a bit shy, I thought Mark Hubbard was someone that has relished this golf course mm-hmm. uh, at times in, in 20th and 4th for the last two weeks and was pretty good towards the tail end in 2023. So, look, I think both of those made a lot of sense. But, again, didn't get to either of them. So I won't spend too much time talking about players that I didn't get to. Um, Brad, your final pick for the week? Yes, so my final pick um, is Nate Lashley at 150 to one. Um, so yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty wild start to the year on the PGA Tour, isn't it? So every winner has been a long shot. Uh, so yeah, that's probably going to end soon. But um, if not, then I think I like Nate Na- Nate Lashley. I can't even say his name. Uh, he could fit the bill. I really. Well, think I, I guess Clark kind of stole that a little bit, but. We he did, have... but he was still ninety to one, wasn't he? Some places, really? I think. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he was ninety to one. So I, I think that's still a long shot in my right. eyes. So. Yeah, carry on with that statement then. For some reason, I thought yeah. that. But no, also, no, I, I, I think he did come in. I think he did come into like seventies, and yeah. but he definitely opened that. Price. Still um, big, isn't it? I, in in retrospect, but I still think oh, that like, that's a surprise. Even that, like Pavon, was very capable of going back to back, and there was a couple of other players in big prices. So it's definitely carried on. So. Sorry to cut you off, mate. Go back into Nate Lashley. I'll go back into Nate Lashley. Right. Um, <laughs> he's he surprisingly finished third last time out at Tory Pies. Uh, I think he was coming off two missed cuts. Um, and yeah, in his interview afterwards, he admitted that he usually avoids playing in that event. It's not a good fit. Um, he finds it tough. 
Um, and yeah, interestingly, he was also saying how unfair it is for the top 50 to play in the extra signature events. Obviously, it gives them more chances to get FedEx Cup points, etc. And yeah, he was saying it puts a lot more pressure uh, to perform well outside of those events to sort of, you know, make up ground, um, which I do find interesting. But, um, but I, I do agree with him. Um, but anyway, he sounds motivated to go well again this week, like home and back home in Scottsdale as well. Um, so he knows the course well. Um, he hasn't had a decent result in this event um, the last couple of years. He's missed the cut and tied 61st. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't playing particularly well coming into those events. Um, he, he's previously finished third and 17th. Um, so he's proven he can play well here. Um, I feel like the course will suit him. It's a lot better than what Tory Pines will, and the confidence will be high after he did finish third there. And yeah, I, I, he also, I, f- I feel like he's worth a pop, and I think he's good for a top 20 as well at five to one. Yeah, I like, I like him. Yeah, never, I, honestly, I think I can count. Oh, I think I've maybe bet him like once or twice in my life. It, the, the thing we can say about Nate Lashley, Brad, in the nicest way possible is he's very predictable. Um, mm. you, you look at his kind of best finishes. I mean, he won the Rocket Mortgage, which obviously wasn't predictable. Um, but he finished third in this event, as you said, in 2020. And then he came back and finished 17th the following year. He'd won the Corrales when it was on the Corn Ferry Tour and then come out three years later and finished fourth there. Um, finished fifth at Pebble Beach, he's finished 11th in Mexico, he's he's played well in these kind of coastal events um, over and over again, Puerto Rico yes. a couple of times, third and eighth. Um, he seems to play the similar sort of events well every single time. And look, I don't think Phoenix kind of fits the mould of those ones that he does play well, but as you said, home game, and he has played well with third and 17th in those um, yeah, I, think it, I think it was the third at the um, Tory Pines as well. It really yeah. shook, like, especially after hearing his interview, I was like, he was a sh- he was just shocked, you know. <laughs> he looked shocked. He's like, uh, he's like the way in which he doesn't he doesn't like the course. Like, he usually doesn't play there. So I was like, oh, he's just finished third. Um, yeah. He's obviously played a blinder, finishing the course as a suit, and now he's coming back to a course he knows well. And yeah, I think he's getting overlooked, probably for good reason. But I, I, I'm i'm sold on him at least um i think at them odds you can you can throw a dart and well, the, the, the hope is brad is that like he's not in a state of confusion about how he's done so well there and he's actually really pleasantly surprised and really confident now of like that's the, that's, the, that's, 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 yeah. that's exactly the the vibe i'm going for yeah, yeah. like oh that's a really that's a bonus third place finish i never thought i was going to get now let's go and let's go and get another one um, where I know I'm fit to do so. And yeah, look, it, it's it benefits from the Hovland, the Rorys, the mm. um, Rams, that all of these people missing out. That all of a sudden there's not these okay, well there's automatically six players that are going to be fighting for the top twelve places, and everyone else has kind of got a sandwich in between. Like there is that little bit of a wider opportunity for people. And yes, you've got to pick between. 20 or 30 players in those kind of ranges that, that could possibly do the same thing. Um, and maybe it's a case of, you know, throwing a few darts at this point. But as long as you've got reason for it, it it's absolutely fine with me. So, um, yeah, I think the 151 on Nate Lashley, whilst on the face of it, anyone goes, well, you know, it's not massive. Um, I, I think it's plenty good enough. Now, mm-hmm. you mentioned top 20 there for Nate Lashley. I want to talk about a couple of placement bets. Yes, uh, I messaged you and said Bud Cawley top forty. Um, I this back. You read my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let's talk about why we thought that with Bud Cawley. Now my reason is very simple. He's played here. Um, what is it? He's played six times. He's only missed one cut, and he's finished twenty fourth, fiftieth, forty seventh, twenty sixth, and twenty fifth. Um, so three times there he's finished inside the top 30 as opposed to the top 40 um, and then when you look at it he was out for so long Brad really really strong I don't know exactly how long he was off for after looked at it. four um, years I think yeah it was a lot a long time um, and he was on a really good trajectory as well when it happened and yeah. then he comes straight back onto the Corn Ferry Tour first two events of his comeback yeah. 
21st yeah. of the Great Exuma Classic, 35th of the Great Abaco Classic. And mm. I'm pretty sure those Great Exuma Classics, like, they're a bit of a grind, aren't they? Uh, oh, they're so tough. They're both so tough. Yeah, yeah so, so to, to play so well in those two events after coming back, they're not necessarily events he's going to go on and win straight away. I mean, he shouldn't be even in contention to win this type of, you know, this time of his career um, anyway. I was really impressed by it. He's 72 for a top 40. Um, mm. I think that's good value, really. Yeah, yeah, no, literally just exactly the same reasons. You know, I'm really impressed with how he's come back onto the Corn Ferry Tour after such a big layoff and play as well as he has done. And yeah, with his record here, I think he looks really good for a, a top 40 finish. Um, he's not going to be phased by anything, is he? You know, he's just going to slot in. and Everything's just like, a bonus, isn't it, at this point for him, I think? Yeah. Yeah, um, I think the other top 40 I like is uh, a Monday qualifier and uh, it's Nico Galetti, who obviously Sky is also a massive fan of, you know, from the, um, the Outlaw Tour days. He got his DP World Tour card, although we haven't seen a lot of him yet. Um, but yeah, he's it's a home game for him. It's 300 yards away. He's a Scottsdale resident and... Yeah, it might be a bit of a, an emotional pick maybe going into it because I'm <laughs> yeah, big fan of his. Um, a lot of memories from when we were in lockdown. Um, but yeah, he's he's gonna. I'm definitely going to have some action on uh, Nico Galetti because yeah, he knows the course well. I think he goes to the event every year, even if he's not playing. You know, he's he's just he's gone out and smashed it in the Monday queue. And yeah, I, I'm getting on board with him this week to finish in the top four. Yeah, six to one i think it is he's that type of player isn't he where i think he's going to take the opportunity he's a famously john rahm's roommate right that's what everyone carries yeah on. yeah like to right, yeah. see um asu people and it would make perfect sense for him to play well here the other one completely opposite end of the scale zach johnson um mm-hmm. for a top 40 now it's not a glamorous pick by any means but i just feel like he was playing a little bit better golf towards the end of preparing for that Ryder Cup camp. So he was 29th at the the Travellers. He made the cut of Rocket Mortgage, 20, uh, 30th at the John Deere. Two, look, two events that probably suit him, Travellers and John Deere. But then he was 25th at the Amex, where it was all kind of led by putting, and he was actually terrible with his approach. But when you look at the Wyndham, he gained strokes on approach. The RSM, he gained strokes on approach. Sony, he gained strokes on approach. He gained off the tee at the RSM and the Amex. And then you look at Johnson's career here. I mean, you're going back a long time, but the first mm. f- kind of five starts that you're seeing on the kind of, you go about 15 years on tour tips are 12th, 24th, 10th, 14th and 12th. They're obviously more in his pomp, Brad, and not results I kind of expect him to get. But then as he's kind of got more into the twilight years of his career, 57th, 38th, and then miscut 42nd, 43rd, 32nd. Like, for whatever reason, the guy can get round here and do well. Um, not a massive surprise when you've got someone like Webb Simpson, who's very similar to, that, that gets round here. But just the last three years in isolation, 42nd, but he was actually 36th going into the final round. He was inside the top 40 for the first three rounds. Then two years ago, he was 32nd after round one, 36th after round three, and finished 43rd. And then last year, when he wasn't playing very well, um, finished 32nd and never outside the top 40 a week. So I can just see someone like a Zach Johnson just go and nick a little top 30 or 35th or whatever, mm. pay off that kind of top 40. So that little selection yep. of Cawley, Johnson and Galetti for uh, top 40s there, mm. I think, makes them appeal. Yeah, I like that. I like it. Um, yeah, that's it. I, th- I think that's it for me, really. Um, yeah. I don't want to just otherwise I've just been naming names, but there there are a lot of players down in this kind of range that I think can have a good week, um, kind of turn mm-hmm. their seasons around even at this early stage. So yeah, um, should be a good event. Let's summarise our picks on both uh, events, Brad. So going back okay. to the Qatar Masters, I'm going with Frederick Lacroix at thirty three to one. I think actually is he. He's 28 to 1 with six places. That might be the better bet. Um, happy with whichever way you want to do it. And no, 33 to 1 is six places, so stick with that. Um, 45 to 1, Rakua Hashino is seven places with Coral. Uh, Jesper Svensson is 55 to 1. 
Um, and his places are, again, the sixth place is Unibet. And then the 110 to 1 with Mike Lorenzo Vera is six places with Skybet. So that's me for the Qatar Masters, Brad. Over to you. So I've gone with Tom McKibben, uh, 25 to 1. I think that's six places with Skybet and Unibet. Uh, then I've gone with Daniel Hillier, 50 to 1, uh, six places. And I think that is with SpreadX. Um, I'm just seeing if there's anywhere else. Uh, you can also get 45 to 1 Skybet if you don't have SpreadX. Um, then I've gone with David Micheluzzi, 100 to 1. Um, and that is also with Skybet or William Hill, six places. Cool. Excellent. And then over to the Phoenix Open, I'm going to knock the couple of points off the best prize with Burns and take the eight places at 18 to 1, just in case we get some trouble on the last couple of holes. Um, Sahith Thigala, 33 to 1, eight places. I've got Kurt Kitayama at 90 to 1. I'm not exactly sure what he is on the eight places with uh, Bet365, but he'll be potentially slightly shorter than that. Uh, Tom Hoagie at 100 to 1 with the six places, and then Michael Kim at 125 to 1 with the six places. Um, actually, 100 to 1, eight places with Michael Kim. Uh, Brad is probably the way to play him. Um, yes. Over to you for the final picks. So I'm going to go with Justin Thomas, 10 to 1, 8 places, Sky and Paddy Power. Um, I'm also with you, Sam Burns, um, 20 to 1, 6 places or 18 to 1, 8 places, whatever you prefer. And then I've gone for Nate Lashley, 150 to 1, 8 places, Sky, Bet or Paddy. Yeah, I think we've got a nice little eclectic mix of players there, whilst also agreeing yeah. with the reasoning on both sides. So mm-hmm. uh, feeling pretty positive. Two good events. Probably, probably re, uh, re-say our top 40 picks as well, shouldn't we? We should. Um, so, top Bug 40. Bug Cawley. Uh, we've gone for Bug Cawley, Nico Galetti, and you've gone for Zach Johnson, who I, I quite like the sound of as well. Yeah, a bit, a bit rogue, I guess, for Zach Johnson. But it just, it just feels like one of those ones where no one really wants to bet Zach Johnson at this point of his career. So, I feel like there might just be a little bit of an opportunity to uh, just catch one out there. Um, mm-hmm. in the top 40 back. So I like that. Um, I am going to do a first round leader article again tonight. So I will be back on that duty. So I'll have a little look mm-hmm. at that now. Um, a little bit of a minefield maybe, but I'm pretty sure Adam Hadwin will feature in that. I think he's been second after round one, like two years running. So uh, at least we're back to one course. Oh, mate, honestly, like I've had to just pause on those for the last couple of weeks. Just They're just so yeah. hard. Um, mm-hmm. So glad to get back in the saddle with that. That's it, Brad. Good to, good to have mm-hmm. you back. Um, looking good forward to, to next week already. And then yes. we've got a little bit of a break for you at the end of February and early March. You're obviously going away for a few weeks, um, which yep. is very exciting. Yep. Uh, more details as we get closer to the time with who's coming in. We might you know, speak to Jason and see if he wants to come and do it or, or whoever. So um, the podcast will carry on in Brad's absence um, and then we'll be full steam ahead for what will be major season soon, Brad. Um, yeah. Brad up so um, looking forward to that. Um, forward thank to you very it. much, everyone, for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, and all those good things. Um, things that would really help us going forward and, and help us climb up those rankings. So appreciate you all for listening, always joining us. And uh, Brad, thank you. Thank you.